Welcome to Renew Humanity, the podcast for heart-centred social changemakers. I'm Tiana, a mid-twenties changemaker from Australia on a mission to live consciously, explore and change the world. As a life coach for changemakers, whose practice is centred on three fundamental pillars, philosophy, spirituality and social change, this show dives deep into how you can find and live in alignment with your truth, the mindset and strategy tools to increase your impact and ways to help you thrive across all areas of your life. If you're a social change maker who is ready to serve humanity as an abundant, heart-centered leader, this is the podcast for you. This episode of Renew Humanity is brought to you by Skillshare. One of the best things you can do to increase your impact as a change maker is to be constantly growing and learning new things. That's why I love Skillshare. I've used Skillshare to learn how to draw and procreate, all about the basics of watercolour and oil pastels, food photography, video editing, a ton of lifestyle and personal development classes, and I even began learning Spanish on Skillshare. If you love learning and growing, you can sign up for a free Skillshare premium trial using the link in the episode show notes below. And while you're there, make sure you check out my very own Social Change 101 class for changemakers. A question that I often get asked that I hate answering is what I want to do when I finish my PhD. Because I want to keep having an impact as an entrepreneur, but I also kind of like the idea of working in academia as like a teacher of sorts. But then I also would like to take my research skills and apply them to industry, like maybe working for an NGO, or I also kind of like the idea as somebody who's been self-employed for the last eight years, basically my entire adult life, of kind of working a job where I'm not the boss and I have plenty of opportunities for growth and kind of that structure that comes with set hours and a salary. But then I also kind of just like the idea of packing my bags and traveling the world full time and freelancing as a digital nomad. As a change maker, you're probably multi-passionate too. You're probably having an impact maybe through your paid work or your unpaid work. And you probably have passion projects on the side that allow you to further your impact and explore all of the things that bring you joy in your life. Today's guest is an example of a woman who has really done it all in her career. Dr. Pamela Gurley is a retired United States Army veteran who holds a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, a Master's in Health Service Administration, and a Doctorate in Management with a concentration in Organizational Development. And she is now a post-grad college professor. She is the author of a few books, Black Girl Activist and I Am Not a Stereotype, I Am H-E-R, as well as a children's book series, which aimed to change the narrative, especially for women and children of colour, and end stereotypes and empower them to be agents of change. Dr. Pam is now a sought-after, savvy, busy boss lady who is strategically building brands, running her own businesses, educating entrepreneurs, and providing an array of written business services – And in this episode, Dr. Pam is going to answer all of my burning questions about following your passions and navigating such a diverse and unconventional career path. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Pam. Do you think you could begin by just sharing a little bit of your story and telling us um, who you are and what it is that you do? So, yes, I am 
My name is Dr. Pamela Gurley. I am first and foremost, um, probably I consider myself uh, a very motivated individual because <laughs> I do wear a lot of hats and some of those hats, I'm a, 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 an author and a CEO. I own several different companies. I am a media journalist and gosh, but I'm a professor. <laughs> so those are some of the hats that I wear. It's so weird. I have to think about it because even when I see my bio on paper, I'm in awe. I'm like, wow, I really do all of that. And I think it's mostly because I love people to know more about me and less about what I do because I'm such a giving person. I'm a foodie. I love to travel. And so those things kind of mean more to me than the things that I do. I love that. Um, so your career over the last two decades has <clears throat> spanned across so many different industries and fields. Um, you have studied so many things. You're an entrepreneur, like you said. Um, <clears throat> I'd love to know how you've gone about navigating such an interesting career. Have you always kind of been like the kind of person who just knew what their next step was going to be and what they were going to try? Or have you kind of just been like winging it the whole time and taking on these opportunities as they came? You know what? It's so, that's such a great question, first of all, because before I really even had a career, I was a lifeguard. That's kind of how was my first job. And I knew it wasn't something that I was going to stick with, but at the time I was a nursing student and I thought that's what I wanted to do. And so I joined the military to do medical. And so I was a medic for two years and then decided really quick after I retired and got out because I had a medical retirement. I knew that's not what I wanted to do, but I did have a love for behavioral health and particularly with children and just wanting to make sure that even the traumas that they had and that they faced would be something that they would understand how to deal with and process. So I started my career very much so after I finished, got out the military and went to get a degree in psychology. The first intern time or paid really job that I had was over a summer and into a school year where I worked with children. And it was quite interesting. And then I started working in family advocacy with, you know, with, with the army and I had my own company with the army. So I had my own government contract. And from there it just kind of evolved, but the army kind of really that whew, burned me out a little bit. And I'm speaking, I'm speaking back in the time when it was so taboo for therapy. Therapy was not a big thing. And I did a class called in my master's program called Legal Aspects of Healthcare. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be broke if I decide to go this avenue. Because unless you charge fee for service, the money that you make going through HMOs and PPOs, like medical insurance, it's, it wasn't enough to really sustain companies or unless you go on a salary base, then you might have an opportunity to go and make money. But even back then, it wasn't as if being on a salary was substantial, not like it is now. It's, a, it's more appreciated now than it has been, even though it is still not quite out there where people are real accepting of it. It's come a long way. I will say that it's come a long way, especially post, well, post COVID, so to speak, you know, that it's really made a change. After that, I kind of was given opportunities and I took those opportunities. So I went from behavioral health to being a budget analyst or in training. And from there, it was 
I spent 14 years for the government working in budget and finance. And last year, almost a year, uh, November 7th would be a year would be that I resigned to work for myself. And I'm a technical writer. I've always been a writer. And my company, October 1, turned four. Last year, turned three. And I said, I think I want to bet on myself and take a leap of faith. And that's what I did. And that's where I am now, having had so many opportunities and doors open that I'm, I boldly walk into them knowing that I belong there. Oh. Do you think when you made that decision to um, pursue your, like, um, your company further, <clears throat> do you think that you felt ready for that? Or do you think that you kind of just had to trust yourself and trust the universe a little bit um, that it was going to be the right decision for you? Because I feel like a lot of people, <clears throat> we never really feel ready for big decisions like that. And so a lot of the time we don't make them. Absolutely. I was scared, <laughs> but it was I like a gut punch that woke me up and it was a now or never. It's you have an opportunity to bet on yourself and in order to for you to get what you're supposed to have, you need to do this. And I listened to that and I'm proud of myself for doing that because I definitely look at the things that I have been able to accomplish in just a year, actually under a year, because because I've not met that year yet. I'm proud. I'm very, because I know I would have never been able to do it had I still been working full time. I had a very, very busy job. Mm. So you've also done your master's and a doctorate degree. I'd love to know, um, you know, first of all, what made you pursue each of those different fields? Because they're a little bit different to um, psychology, which was what your bachelor's degree was in. Um, and did you study them like kind of one after the other or did you take breaks in between? And what was it that kind of made you go back to studying each time? So I went right from my bachelor's in psychology to getting a master's in marriage and family therapy and a master's in health service administration because I wanted to go private practice and I needed to understand the business and things that I was not um, that I was not aware of and, and knew about, you know, with owning a business. So I wanted, especially in healthcare. So I did that and six classes in, that's when I took the legal aspects of healthcare and was like, oh, I don't think so. I think I'd rather just pursue something else. So I did finish, instead of finishing my degree in marriage and family therapy, I did complete my degree in um, health service administration, which was a business degree, but I specialized in health, health services. And I stayed with that. I graduated when I was 28 and waited exactly, well, I had exactly 10 years between graduating with my master's and graduating with my doctorate. I had started a doctoral program maybe a year or two after my master's and I did not like the school. So I didn't want to waste money. And so instead of being feeling rushed, rushed to complete it, I said, you know what, I'll just give myself a break, work and get a little more experience. So that way, when I do go for my doctorate, I would know what I want to pursue it in. And so that's what I did. I waited and then I graduated 10 years after I got my master's. So that was the largest leap of time for me. But I did it, by the way, I only did it because I wanted to teach. I started teaching at a community college when I was 28, and I wanted the opportunity to teach at all levels. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'm actually doing a PhD at the moment myself. And when people ask me like what the plan is when I finish, like I actually have no idea. I kind of just went into it because I think um, it's kind of in a different field to what I did my undergraduate studies in. And I guess I wanted to kind of challenge myself and push myself and just develop those like soft research skills that you get. But I really have no idea what I want to do when I finish. Um, uh, great avenue. I knew that I wanted to to teach. I did. I you know when you work for the federal government, they don't really go by education. It does. It works out in the corporate world of how high and how much experience you have. But I'm also as a professor because I, I am a grad school professor. I teach uh, business courses. I am one of the things that I do teach. I'm very present in how I teach them to not just utilize their degree as a title, but look at it for applicability. So what you, what you are studying, you need to make applicable to your life, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, you need to be able to use it. And that's where I find the value because I utilize my degree when I'm teaching. I use my bachelor's all the time when I am mentoring or motivating people or even teaches me how to deal with people in business because of the multiple personalities that you have to come into contact with. You look at behaviors in the workplace, it's made me an effective supervisor. And so I'm grateful to have had those you know, those opportunities to utilize my academics. And so, I mean, even with health service administration from a business standpoint, it helps me be able to develop um, business plans and marketing plans because I have that wherewithal of things that need to be worked out and flushed out before you go into that type of business. Mm. And I feel like it would probably work the other way as well. Like having that entrepreneurial experience would also help you as a teacher because you've got that kind of like industry knowledge whereas like sometimes a lot of people who work in academia they don't always have that kind of industry experience so i feel like that would yeah be really good for your students as well oh yes and in my classroom we utilize a lot of industry and we tie it to what what they're reading because otherwise it's boring it's you're just trying to memorize things well that's not the goal especially i teach grad school so the goal of a master's is for you to take away technical pieces that you can really harness and use and so we we will have debates we play games you know it's how can you use that information and learn something that you're going to walk away with beyond just saying i have a master's and you've also written um, a few books i'd love to hear what the motivation for writing these books were and what they're all about well let's see which one so Uh, so the very first time I wrote was an anthology. I had an opportunity as because I was a writer, but I wasn't writing books. I was blog writing and I blogged quite a bit and some I shared and I took down the website that I was sharing. But I was someone reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to be in an anthology? And I said, sure, you only have to provide one chapter. I wrote that chapter on a flight from Arizona to Baltimore the entire thing. And I was like, 
this was this was not that terrible. I literally just drafted from beginning to end and submitted it. And it was published in 2019, like early, mid to early 2019. And then I was already writing my own book. And so I published that in November. It's called I Am Not a Stereotype, I Am H-E-R. And it really, I was taking a deep dive of what how society can cause trauma for kids. It's like, you know, we want to be able to love ourselves without being confined. And because my hair was different and I didn't sound like other friends of mine. And I grew up in Hawaii for the first five years, then came back to the mainland and had to be thrown into a world that was slightly different from being in Hawaii where there's like lots of different cultures. And you didn't necessarily feel different because there was curly-haired people all the time. There was fair-skinned people all the time. And everybody sounded different because it was a military community. But when you move someplace like Southern Georgia, where I grew up, and then I also grew up in Washington, D.C., it was so different. And I felt out of place, and I felt like, where do I belong? And it made me very toxic just hearing and being questioned about things and hearing people say different things and made me feel like, wow, am I different? Never felt like that at home, but that's how the world makes you feel. So I wrote about that experience of being you know, a black woman and how I feel like society forces us to kind of hate ourselves and not feel good enough. And the good thing that came out of that, and I made my book very retrospective, is that you get to take a, a look at yourself and find that love that you have where you accept and validate who you are. So I wrote that book and published it. And then I didn't publish again until this year. And I never wanted to become an author. I'll tell you, <laughs> there was never a plan. It's just something that happened. And I woke up, I was writing my other book, Black Girl Activist. And then it came to me, it's like, I'm writing about all these communities and the strength of being a black woman and things that I wish I would have had. And I woke up and it was birthed to me, my children's book series. So I wrote the first two manuscripts and, you know, we started interviewing illustrators and next, you know, I published and then I decided after I published in June, August 1, I decided, you know what, I think I will do it in two other languages. So then I published this, the same book in English and Spanish. So when I was working on the other book, the second in the series, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do them all in English, French, and Spanish. And so that's what I did. And so I have my Brown Girl, Brown Boy book series. I have, you know, Black Girl Activist. I have, you know, I Am Not a Stereotype. And I recently, not maybe I think last week, published a book called The PR Prep Guide because as a, as a media journalist and someone who has a publicist, people just don't understand. So I'm always getting questions asked. So I said, you know what? What do you do when you write? You provide a guide. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's what I did. I provide a down and dirty, just like, you know, very transparent uh, guide for people who are interested in having a PR or have one and feel as though they uh, are not happy with the PR because that happens. But sometimes that hap that dis that unhappiness is more about them, not what their PR is doing, because they don't really understand the working the workings of that industry. Wow. I feel like it's probably like your entrepreneurial spirit that's like come through in your work as like an author because you 
kind of got this knack for like seeing a gap and then filling it with like your books and your words. Like when you were younger, you didn't really have um, many like role models or see people um, like yourself where you grew up. And so you're giving that to kids now through your children's book series. And, you know, you kind of needed those lessons to be taught to you when you were growing up about loving yourself and kind of breaking down those stereotypes. And now you've kind of filled that gap by giving it to other young girls and women through your books. That's really awesome. Yeah. But from a community standpoint, because in my home, I had everything. I never felt out of place. My mother poured into us. She allowed us to experience culture. We traveled. But here again, when you walk out the door, I mean, and you think about most children are spending seven or eight hours at school, sometimes after school. When you walk out into the world, sometimes you don't know how to go back and communicate or even ask questions. And that's where I feel like I went wrong. But I also recognize that I did not have books with children that looked like me. I also didn't have books that that had situations that allowed me to have the answers. And I was an avid reader. So I think it was important for me when I created my children's book series to provide you know, information in these books that teach self-awareness, that teaches confidence, that teaches self-love, that teaches social and emotional development. If you had to kind of give like your biggest tip for somebody who might be struggling with their self-confidence or anything like that, what would your biggest tip be? I think my biggest tip would be to to understand that different is is beautiful and that difference that being different makes you unique in a very special way and to embrace that you know i there's such a, a hard but necessary question that we also often have to ask ourselves in order to gain any level of clarity but we can't look at the world and want to be like it we need to look at ourselves and say this is who i am and that's what i would encourage anyone who is just wondering oh my gosh i want to be like this person or i want this or i want that you that they are beautiful exactly as they are and who they are wow i love that <laughs> Um, what do you think might be one piece of advice that you would give um, people and particularly young people who maybe feel like they need a little bit more direction or clarity or focus in their life in terms of um, their career and which path to go down? Well, one, I would say, you know, and I tell people this all the time, a closed mouth will never get fed. So you have to ask for what you want but you also have to know what you want and i don't mean you know knowing automatically but if you if you know well i'm confused about where i want to be in my career look at other people and model them i always say you know to go through these doors you know it's like sometimes we're scared to go through these doors because we don't know what's on the other side well you know what every house has a window so take a peek in and see and watch and then you build character that way open up books read things that you think are going to interest you if it doesn't interest you then it's not something that you want to do i think a lot of people also know what they want to do they're just scared to pursue it because they feel like they're going to fail well failure sometimes is the best thing because when you really want to do it and your your gut is telling you this is what you should be doing and you fail at it, it's because you need to do it a different way. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I often, I myself, I, I always say I thrive off of failure because I listen to what it is that I want to do, but I also do it for me. 
I don't do it because I think someone else is going to be proud of me. I'm going to do it because I want to be proud of me. Even if I fail, guess what? I tried. And so when we are looking for people to, to help us grow, we have to be able to ask questions. If you're unsure, you can go and speak to somebody and say, you know what, you have a very interesting career. Can you tell me about it? Especially when you are young. Explore, experiment, and just but as you read books, if you want to be an entrepreneur, pick up Entrepreneur Magazine. Pick up magazines that are going to pour into whatever it is that you want to do that's going to give you a little bit of a broader perspective. And you'll know it when you You'll know it when you see it because it'll be like, oh, I never even thought of that. But that's something that's interesting that I can do. Try it out. Mm, it's kind of like you have that big aha moment, I think, when yes. you realize that that's yeah, your thing. Um, so you've done so much over your career and you still wear so many hats today. What do you think is one piece of advice that you would give for just being productive and kind of really having impact in the work that you do? I first want to say it's not about productivity because sometimes we can be productive doing the wrong thing mm -hmm. and, and focusing and spending all of this effort on something that's going nowhere because we just want to be productive. I think it's important to be intentional. Be intentional about what you want to do. Be intentional about how you do it. Be intentional about how much time and effort you're going to give to it because you can't get that time back. So don't just be out here being busy. I think the other part is we have to learn how to give ourselves grace when things are not going the way that we wanted. And we are, a lot of times we are our worst critics <laughs> because we feel like I didn't get through everything that I did today or I was so tired, I laid in bed. Sometimes your body needs it in order to be able to, uh, what, what do I wanna say? In order to be able to keep moving on, you still have to sit back and relax. So sometimes being booked and busy is not always a good thing, but being booked and balanced is. So I can wear a ton of different hats, but one thing that I do is make time for me in the process. And I give myself grace depending on the day. Not every day is quote unquote as productive as I would like, but my days are intentional about how I'm spending my time, especially taking and making time for myself. In terms of like self-care, what do you think are some things like really practical things that you do throughout your day or throughout your week that kind of help you prioritize your self-care and really thrive? I give myself um, times of, you know, where I'm not working all day. I set, I set a time where I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to take calls anymore. I'm not going to respond to emails. Uh, you know, and so I end my day. Sometimes when you're an entrepreneur, you want to keep going. Now, if, in the, if I'm in the middle of writing, I can very well write until like two or three o'clock in the morning. But then I do, even though I might get up at six o'clock in the morning, again, I allow myself to just lay, I lay, allow myself to pray it out because sometimes my body is still tired, but I'm feeling like I need to get up. And that's where that grace comes in to allow my body to actually rest. Mm. Well, one of the final questions, what do you think is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned throughout your career? Oh, that's so good. Oh, biggest lesson. Probably the biggest lesson is not listening to myself sooner. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's the one thing, you know, when we are doing a lot of these things or have opportunities and it's not necessarily fear or being scared, I just think that we don't always answer to our calling 
out of out of being fearful or scared to do it because it's hard well what's net what's meant for you will not be easy <laughs> that's for certain and so that's one of the things that i learned that easy gets you nowhere work does mm. wow well how can everybody connect with you check out your books and your work so my books are global. They are available on, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. You can pretty much Blackwell. If you, if you put in any online, you know, bookstore where you purchase my books and you just put in Dr. Pamela Gurley, all of my books will come up. Otherwise, on all social media, my it's at I A M D R P G U R L E Y. I am Dr. P Gurley. My podcast is. Um, Perspiration Happy Hour. You can find that on YouTube and on Facebook as well. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to connect with us on Instagram at a underscore new underscore humanity or head to a new humanity.net to access our coaching materials. And if you want to connect with me, you can follow me on Instagram at Tiana J.